Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from our series, Progress and Joy, a study on Philippians. For more information about CBC or how you can get plugged in, visit our website, cbcsavannah.com. So let's, let me read our text, uh, and then we'll jump into it. Verse 12. Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, so now, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am being to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. He starts off, verse 12, therefore, all right? And, and just a reminder, whenever you see the word therefore, what do you ask? What's well, a therefore? Very good, right? It, it, it's pointing back to what he's just said. What has he just said? Christ was humble. Christ died on a cross. Christ is exalted at the right hand of Father. In light of all of that, his humility, his exaltation, he's going to tell him something. He says, therefore, my beloved, and he's, and he's pouring his heart out here. This is my heart for y'all, beloved. I ain't gonna call y'all beloved. Just start, I'll call you Christian dude who I like, but I ain't gonna call you beloved. That's all right. But he said, I love y'all. This is my heart for y'all. In light of who Christ is, here's what I, here's what I wanna tell you, right? As you have always obeyed. Let's just stop there, right? Have you always obeyed? Obey, obey is not a fun word. We don't like obey, do we? Right? That, that's, not a, that's not a great word. How many of you this week were like, I just love to obey. I'm going to memorize as many verses on obedience as I can because I just love to obey. I mean, if, if you go into a job interview and you say, describe yourself in one word, obeyer, that's me. How many of that's you? How many of you teenagers woke up this morning saying, I just hope my parents have a lot of things for me to do today because I love to obey. All right? How many of you are like, I hope my boss, the principal, the colonel tomorrow has just task after task after task because I just love to obey. How many of y'all? Zero. Right? Why? Because we have a culture that teaches you to disobey. We don't assume teens are going to obey. We assume teens are going to disobey. And when the boss is away, the mice play. We even create apps on our phone so that we can know where the cops are so that we can disobey Waze users, which I am one. I just use it for traffic. Right? But he says... You've always obeyed, but know what he says. So now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. He said, when I was there, y'all rocked. 
but I'm 800 miles away now, and I'm in prison, and this is where the rubber meets the road. Because it's easy when I'm there. Right? What he's saying in my vernacular is, is don't be like my dog, Milton. Because when I'm home, Milton's fine. Right? He listens to me. I take him out on a leash, and a, and a golf cart or a runner will go by, and, and I'll say no, and he'll listen, and he'll stay. Right? I, I, if he starts barking, I say no. He stops for the most part. Now, when I'm gone, I'll call my wife, and I'll just hear rah, 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 chaos in the background. I'm like, what is that dog barking at? He just barks. If, if, if one of my kids tries to take him out and a bike rider goes by, it's all over. And what, what Paul is saying is, don't be like Milton. All right? It's much more important now. Right? And here's the principle he's going at, right? So now, not as only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Here it is. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Here, here's the principle. See if this thing will work. You guys got it? Nope, you don't. You guys got it, Tim. Go up there. Here, here's the principle. Is that ours is a faith that is not passive. It is an active faith. Okay, our faith is not passive. It's got to be active. It has got to be lived out. Now, th- don't misunderstand. He is not saying work for your salvation. Underline that. He says work out your salvation. Work it out. Live it out. And this is huge because there's somebody in this room this morning, because we live in the South, that thinks if I am good, if I do good things, God will like me. I can get to heaven by just saying, yes, ma'am, and pay my taxes, right? Because I can be good enough to get there. And yeah, there's some faith involved, but I'm good enough to work my way to heaven. And let me just tell you, that's not Christianity. That's Islam. That's, that's Buddhism. That's Hindus, Hinduism. That's some kind of karma pantheistic deal. That is not Christianity, not biblical Christianity. And it's very interesting that if you ask people who usually say they're good enough to get to heaven, you say, well, how, if you ask them the question, how good do you have to be? They usually don't know, but usually they're just over the line and Hitler's somewhere over there. <laughs> right? Well, not as bad as Hitler. Well, the standard is not Adolf. The standard is Christ. And all have fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? And so Christianity is not, I'll be nice, I'll say yes, ma'am, and drink sweet tea, and God will give me heaven as a reward. He'll let me in because I've been baptized. I'm here to tell you he won't. Christianity is about people who realize they're not good enough, and because they're not good enough, they have to trust that Christ's substitute on the cross for their sins was enough. And it is a gift given by grace through faith. That is Christianity. Right? And so if you're, if you're here trying, thinking you're going to earn your way to, to God, you're wrong. Look, if you could get to heaven by working, then why does Jesus have to die? He could have just floated down from heaven and said, be nice, y'all, and gone back up. Somebody has to die for sin. He died. Right? And so that, that's why we're here. You're not, if you're like Christians or hypocrites, yeah, I can't stand. that. You're right. Look around. They're all over the place. This is not a good people. This is not a, a perfect people. This is a forgiven people because of Christ. 
Right? That, that, that's, that's Christianity. So if he's not saying work for your salvation, what is he saying? Right? What does it mean then to work out or to ultimately live out? Very interesting. The word work out is one word, and it's a, it was a mining term in the first century. Right? Like it's kind of like getting your little Andy Dufresne Shawshank Redemption rock hammer and just picking it. Time after time after time. And just mining each gem. Getting each gem out of this deal. That's the word. It says this salvation you have, keep digging. Keep mining. The point is, it's in the present tense. It's not a one-time deal. It is an active deal. It's not passive. And I, and I don't know where it happened. It, it, it's pro- it was probably America. Maybe Second Great Awakening. But at some point... In America or in Christendom, salvation, all salvation became was a prayer I prayed, a card I filled out, an aisle I walked, a box I checked, right? And I asked Jesus in my heart, so now I die and I go to heaven. And that's, that's all some people know. That's all Christianity is to some people, right? And it's true that we are saved at one point in time, that at one point in time the Holy Spirit opened your eyes and at that moment you were saved. But the rest of your life is meant to be, and all eternity for that matter, is meant to be lived following and worshiping Christ. You are not just saved to go to heaven. You get to go to heaven, but you are saved daily from the power of sin. You're saved daily from being an idiot. You're saved daily from being a jerk. You're saved daily from lust and greed, and envy, and pride. And it's not just you're saved from things, you're saved to things. You are saved to have peace, to have joy, to be a child of God. You are saved to shine. And so Paul says, you you better mine this thing out. Your faith is active. And if you think about just the whole of the New Testament, I mean, you never see pray to receive Christ and just sit around and wait for heaven. You never see that in the Bible. Actually, you never see pray to receive Christ in the Bible, but that's another story for another day. You see believe, right? But think about all the, all the commands in the New Testament about your faith. Paul says, I discipline my body, keeping it under control. He tells Timothy, train yourself for godliness. Peter says, long for the pure milk of the word that by it you may grow and respect your salvation. Paul says, therefore, as you have received Jesus Christ, so walk in him. Don't get weary of doing good, right? In the proper time you will reap. Laying the elementary principles of hide, we, we let us press on to maturity, the writer of Hebrews. Speaking the truth in love, grow up in every way into him who is the head. Set your minds on things above, not on things earth. Seek first the kingdom. Does that sound passive to anybody? And again, he's not talking to, he's talking to people who are already Christians, Right? It's, a, it's an active, our faith is lived out, it is worked out, it is, it is shown. And notice, again in the verse, notice the personal nature, right? Work out your, circle it in your Bible, your own salvation. Work out your own salvation. Paul says, you can't live through me, I'm gone, I'm in jail. I'm 800 miles away. You got a lot of folks coming to church on a Sunday for a lot of different reasons. Some of your kids are coming because your parents come. Some of you spouses are coming because your spouse comes and dragging you along. Maybe your neighbor brought you. Maybe, actually this is more, more frequent than you think, maybe you're a parent that's here because your kid's into Jesus. A lot of people for a lot of reasons, and we're glad you're here. But let me just say this. You can't ride anyone else's coattails to heaven. 
Your faith has got to be yours. Teenagers, listen to me. Your faith's got to be yours, not your parents. Right? And I'm not talking about, well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Presbyterian. I'm, I'm not talking about that. You want to go be a Methodist someday? Fine, be a Methodist. But your faith better be yours because you cannot ride the coattails of your parents. And, and husbands, you cannot ride the coattails of your wife. Right? Your own salvation. And, and the, another implication is, then don't you worry about everyone else and what they're doing. You think of your, you worry about what you're doing. Well, did you hear that sermon, honey? Kids, this is for you. I'm going to watch football and mourn the Georgia Bulldogs. See, I told you all a couple weeks ago not to ask the Georgia Bulldogs into your heart. I can't, you can't do that. Right? you got to own it. Because one day, every single one of us will stand before Jesus Christ. And you're going to get one of two responses. You're going to get, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Or you're going to get, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. I knew your mama. Sweet gal. She was an ace. Talked to her every day. I knew your grandpa. I knew your brothers and your sisters. I knew a whole bunch of people from your church. I just never knew you. I tell you, those are the most crushing Scary words in all the scripture to me. And I promise they will ring forever in the ears of those who hear them. For all eternity. It's got to be yours. It's got to be yours. What about yours? He says, work out at your, mine it out, yours. And notice the last little prepositional phrase, with fear and trembling. What's that about? There should be a seriousness to it. There should be awe and reverence. Not a flippancy. Why? Next verse, 13. All right? Notice the first word, for. Why should we take it serious? Why should there be reverence and awe? Because it is God who works in you both to will and work for his good pleasure. And in the Greek text, the word God is placed way up front for emphasis. It's like bold letters highlighted. Because God is working. God is doing something. God is at work here. It's an amazing truth. The same God who spoke the world into existence. I mean, he said, light, boom, light. He said, mountain, boom, mountain. The same God who angels right now are yelling at the top of their angelic lungs if they have them, holy, holy, holy. That same God says, I have a good pleasure to work in you. You see why there's a seriousness to it? You see why there's a reverence to it? Right? I mean, if God says, I want to accomplish my good pleasure in you and through you, y'all, that's weighty. That's, do you want to miss that? Do you want to miss that the God of the universe wants to work in you and you want to blow it off and be like, eh, no big deal. See, that's why he says work it out. That's why he says mine it out. Right? And, and understand, it's not, it's not that God's saying, okay, I saved you. Now you go figure it out and you do all the rest on your own. That's not what he's saying. Look at the verse. It's, it's that God is at work in you doing what? He is willing and he is working. Literally, it's he's giving you the desire. He gave you a new desire. He gave you a new heart. So when you delight yourself in him, he gives you more desires. He says, I've given you the desire 
and I've given you the work. I've given you literally the Greek word means the energy, the power, the capability. You have everything you need according to godliness because of my Holy Spirit that dwells in you. Because I want to do something. I want to make you shine. You, you, you got to work it out. There's got to be a seriousness. When there is sin, you can't be like, man, it's just porn. No big deal. I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven. It's just getting drunk once a month. It's just blowing off my family. It's just being lazy. It's just a little bit of cheating. It's no big deal. There cannot be that in the, in the people of God. There's got to be a mining of it out. There's got to be repentance. There's got to be, you have new natures, feed them. Feed the new natures. If we, if we were honest, I mean, don't raise your hand, but how many of us haven't even read Philippians this week? And we joke about nobody doing their homework. Why is there not 1,200 people every Sunday memorizing a verse? You probably know how many yards Chubb ran for yesterday. And no one cares because it got killed. You care, but no one else does. I mean, it's, it's just feed the new nature. God's given you new abilities. Resist the temptation. Fight it. You got to be, you got to be, fight. we're warriors. You got to fight sometimes. Fighting's hard sometimes. It's got to be an act of faith is his point. And there's no coasting. And, and let me be honest. As I was reflecting on this just yesterday, I was looking back in my week and I'm like, I've been a lazy bum this week with my faith. I mean, I'm studying it hard and getting ready for sermon. And at the same time, I'm coasting over here and not dealing with this issue over here. It's so easy, isn't it? Just come, I'm going to heaven. Yeah. It says, no, if you're going to shine, work it out. Live it out. Right? And you're thinking, well, okay, that's great. I need to do that. Where do I start? He's going to give us an application. Right? And it's probably one that we're not going to anticipate. Because we're thinking, well, if I'm going to do great things and shine for God, then i got to go and start an orphanage somewhere. Or i got to go to seminary. Or i got to be like a super Christian and, and give a bunch of money away. And those things are fine, but that's not where he starts. He's going to start so subtle, so practical, and so huge. Look what he says in verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I like them apples. You want to shine? You, you want to you be a star? You want to live out your faith? Start being active? Here's your, here's your application. Stop complaining. Stop grumbling. There's your application. And how many, again, saw that coming? If you read ahead, you would have. Don't be a grumbler. Don't be a complainer. Do you realize how pervasive complaining is in our culture? I didn't until I started studying it this weekend and I hear it everywhere. Do you realize how many of our sentences, how many of our conversations begin with complaining? Raining again. Georgia lost. Boss is a jerk. Hot, cold. It's, it's the air we breathe. It's the language of the culture. We do it, we don't even realize. We could be serving a person over here, faithfully serving, and still grumbling in our hearts against them. We've been in this building now, I think it's week seven. I have a list of complaints already from y'all. And the funny thing is, and then we laugh about it as a staff, is, is half y'all complain about the one thing, and then the other half of you complain about the other thing is exactly the opposite. 
which is why we don't do any of it, because we figure we're 50-50 on everything. <laughs> too hot, too cold, too loud, too quiet, too bright, too dark. Great. Thanks for telling us. <laughs> I just go, I don't care. We're, as long as we're not in four services, I don't care. <laughs> right? It's, it's just, we're a bunch of Debbie Downers. It's sad, but it's true, right? You go to the gas, I can't believe gas is $2.14 a gallon. When I was growing up, it was a nickel. <laughs> then don't drive, ride a bike, and be quiet, right? You can't drive anywhere, I missed like four stoplights. What kind of timer is these things on? Oh, right? I can't believe all this refined sugar readings. Just quiet. <laughs> go have a Mountain Dew and hush. I mean, some of us, all we do is complain. Complain, grumble, complain. You're thinking, no, I don't. You're complaining now. You're grumbling. Here's your homework for this week, since you don't have verses. All right? And you better do it. I want you to grab a jar, just an empty jar, empty spaghetti jar, glass, whatever it is. Put it where everyone can see it. And then right next to it, just a little bowl of pennies. You probably have a thousand of them. No one uses them anymore. And every time somebody in the family complains, you got to go put a penny in the jar. And then you will see how much complaining you do. And if you want to be really going to get detailed, you can put the initials of the person on the penny. Put your initials on that bad boy. We're counting at the end of the week. And then if you really want to be honest and transparent, take it to community group next week. Bring it here. Right? It's just a way to start identifying. And I'm, I'm not joking about this. I mean, we're going to do it in the Fowler family. Do it so you can see. And you think, is it really that big a deal? Aren't there bigger sins we should be worrying about in, in the church bill and in the culture? And there's all this stuff going on and blah, blah, blah. If you don't think it's big, then go read Genesis through Deuteronomy. And you tell me what you think after that. Because what you see is the people of Israel, all they're doing is complaining. Well, we don't like, we don't like manna. We want quail and onions. All right? We don't like Moses. He's a bad leader. We don't like walking. And they kept complaining and complaining until they did what? Until they died. There's probably a better way to stop for us. Right? Than having to die. The problem of complaining and you think it's not a big deal, it's rooted in the opposite of what we talked about last week. It is arrogance. It is the opposite of humility because what you are saying is I am wiser than God. And if I was in charge, this is what I would do. It's arrogance. And, and, and because it is so prevalent, y'all, because it is such a big part of our culture, you can't be passive. You've got to mind this puppy out. You gotta be aware of it. You gotta look and see how many pennies you got in there. You, because being negative is so much easier than being positive. But here's the truth complaining and joy, they, you can't have both. If you're a complainer, you're not gonna have joy. So we can talk about joy and talk about joy in Christ. If you are a grumbler and a complainer, you, you will not have joy. They cannot exist together. You just can't. And so you have, to, you have to work it out. You have to look for opportunities to be grateful. You have to have, look for opportunities to celebrate God's grace and find them and identify them. And slowly, as you do this over time, there'll be less and less pennies in the jar, and there'll be more and more grace and more and more celebration. 
And, and look at the result. Look what he says happens, verse 15. He says, do all things without grumbling and disputing. Why? That, here's the purpose, that you may be, circle these words or underline them, blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And here's the, the, the kicker. Among whom you shine as stars or as lights in the world. You shine. You're blameless. You're living out your identity of child of God. Here, here's the amazing thing. All you have to do to be a star, to shine, is not complain. It's not going anywhere, doing some great. It's just stop complaining. It's at the kids' soccer game when everyone is railing out the ref. You hush. That's all it is. Right? That, that's, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Right? When, when everybody else is bashing the government on Facebook, this is getting some of y'all, you're not. You're not liking every person it's like I hate the government but I love Jesus then you shine right when the house is doesn't look like southern living which it shouldn't anyway you don't complain dinner at your house should not be like a chopped episode well honey if you had a little bit more acidity and color and texture it would it's that's not the way it is your boss, your teachers, too much homework, your coach, the weather. You move to the south, suck it up. If you don't like the cold, then move to Alaska. Hush. It's so prevalent and so normal that when you don't do it, it is the absence of it that makes you shine. It's the very nature of not joining in that makes you a star. Folks are alerted to its absence because they're watching and they're studying and they're evaluating you, your relatives, your co-workers, your neighbors, and they will be surprised by your contentment and gratefulness. And this is the way, CBC, that we balance the scales. This is the way that you will shine at your campus, in your neighborhood, in your cubicle, in your car, wherever you are. You don't really have to do anything. You just have to stop doing something. And I'm telling you, this is one of those sermons that you're, you're going to have application today. You're going to have application as soon as you show up at the office or class or school tomorrow. You know why? Because people can say, how's your weekend? How you doing? How's your job? And right there is the opportunity. Right? There it is. There you go. You're at the grocery store. Hey, how are you doing today? Right? And, and just think before you talked. This week, what you're going to say first. And I'm not saying be all happy, happy, joy, joy, lying Christian, right? How you doing? I'm great. I got run over by a car, but rejoice in the Lord always. That's not what I'm saying. You can be honest, but thankful. Hey, it was a tough weekend. Georgia stinks. But I'm thankful that they play Tennessee next week. Right? My job's hard right now. But you know what? I'm just thankful I have a job. You know, kids are feeling sick lately, but man, God is good. God is good. We got good doctors and thankful not living in the 1600s and we're putting leeches on them, right? <laughs> I mean, 
you can, there's, there's opportunities to show gratefulness. And, and, let's, and I know some of y'all are in a tough way, right? We got folks going through chemo. We got folks that are about to lose people and their family. We got folks that lost jobs. I'm not making light of that. But the reality in the big scope of things is this. If you are a child of God, not just a child of God, you are an adopted child. So you were brought into this deal and you didn't deserve it. Is there any reason for the child of God ultimately to be complaining with your future? I mean, I mean, really. With where you're going and the reward that you will get from the Savior? And this is gravy, comparatively. Right? And so he says, this is how you shine. Next verse, he says, this is how you hold fast to the word of life. The word of life is the gospel. This is how the gospel is lived out in your life. If you really believe it's good news, this is how you're holding fast to it. And notice when he says that, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud, I did not run or labor in vain. It's kind of like a parent when they hear that their kids are doing well and, and they're not the ones around. They're like, they're so proud. Like, your, your son did this for me. And we're like, man, that's all. So glad my son did that. As opposed to if you're, well, your, your, your kids are bickering over here and fighting. Not my kids. My wife's kids. <laughs> not mine. He says, I, I, I don't, I don't want to labor in vain. I want to hear that you're, that you're doing these things, that you're not grumbling, that you're not complaining, that you're humble. And then, and then he models it for him. This is so, man, this is the Apostle Paul shining at his best. Look at verse 17. He says, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering, Old Testament language, very, if my life is an offering, the least of the offerings, a sacrificial offering your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Look, if there's any Christian that ever lived that had a right to be a little bit grumbling and complaining, it was the Apostle Paul. Right? It was the Apostle Paul. And he says, I am glad. I rejoice and I want you to rejoice with me. He's just modeling the very same thing. He's not grumbling. He's not complaining. That's it. And he shines. He shines. Look, we're going to worship in just a minute. We're going to celebrate baptism, and we're going to celebrate God's work. Because, look, God is at work in you. He's still working in you. He will complete what he began. We're going to see a couple people. I think there's 18 people today at both services that are getting baptized. God began a work in these people, and they're coming forward to publicly identify their faith, right? But the rest of us, look, don't be passive. If you've been passive today, stop. Mine it out. Work it out. And if you fall, get up. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. We sang it. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. So, so own it, repent, turn, and let's go. What are we waiting for? That's the heart of it. And as we, as we sing and as we pray, just spend a few seconds. If you're the complainer, if you're the grumbler, purpose in your heart. I'm going to get the jar out. We're going to identify this. I don't want my kids to grow up complainers. And, and just own it and, and, and purpose to, to move forward and work it out. This is the way we're going to shine. Not because of this building. Not because of a new building. Not because of size of a church. We will shine as a church if we cease to grumble and complain when we go to work tomorrow. There it is. You want to have an impact for God? You want to be a star? Don't be passive and stop complaining. There it is. Right? There it is. Because God's at work at us for his good pleasure. Guys, come on up. Lead us in worship. Y'all, if you don't sing loud, you're complaining. 
That's, that's basically it, because you're not, you're, not, you're not saying God is great. This is a day to celebrate. This is a day to rejoice with these people and just rejoice in the goodness of God. So why don't you stand with me, and we will sing, and we will pray, um, and we will worship. Father God, you are good to us. You love us. You've redeemed us. Lord, I just pray for this, us as a church. Let us not be passive in our faith. Let us, let us not just sit back. Let, let our faith not be dead and useless without works, as James says. But let it be showing itself, not, not to earn your favor. We cannot earn your favor. We already have it in Christ. But Lord, to show your favor. To show the newness of our lives. To show that we are your sheep and your sheep hear your voice. And they listen. Lord, as we sing, as we worship, as we celebrate baptism, Lord, I know the angels are rejoicing because people have come to faith. I, I, I just pray you'd be exalted in this place, Lord Jesus, today. It's in your precious name we pray.